Dr. Nick Thompson earned his veterinary degree from Edinburgh University in 1992. While in veterinary school, he did a year of advanced study in immunology as well. After graduation, he worked in a few mixed animal practices before engaging in advanced studies in both homeopathy and veterinary acupuncture. A colleague introduced him to the writings of Dr. Ian Billinghurst, and his journey into investigating and promoting raw feeding was soon underway. In 1999, Dr. Thompson founded his holistic practice, Holistic Vet, in the United Kingdom. He uses homeopathy, acupuncture, natural nutrition, and herbal medicine to treat his patients. In 2014, he was a founder of the Raw Feeding Veterinary Society, an international group of veterinarians and veterinary nurses dedicated to raw feeding and species-appropriate nutrition in dogs and cats. Dr. Thompson is an international industry leader and subject matter expert on holistic medicine and natural feeding. He has a wide range of speaking experience and has created a large volume of online content, including participating in weekly Facebook Live sessions called Raw Pet Medics, where he and Drs. Connor Brady and Brendan Clark discuss holistic approaches to health issues in pets. Please enjoy this conversation with Dr. Nick Thompson as we discuss his exposure to holistic philosophy at an early age from his parents, his veterinary education, how he became a holistic expert, and how he manages to stay current on nutrition while maintaining his roles as a consultant, clinician, husband, and father. Dr. Thompson, it's great to talk to you today. Hey, Neil, it's lovely to speak to you. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Hey, so how old were you when you decided do you want to be a veterinarian? <laughs> okay. When I was really young, I used to faint at the sight of human blood. And so I still do, if I'm honest. Don't tell anyone. And so I thought, wow, I'm never going to make it as a doctor as my father was. And so I thought, okay, um, I wanted to go into medicine because I was fascinated and I wanted to know about medicine because I think that your health is one of the most important things. You know, somebody else knowing about how your television works, I can live with that. Somebody else knowing how, you, how your car works, I can live with that. Somebody else knowing how accountancy works, I can live with that. I don't understand accountancy in the slightest. But somebody else knowing more than you about or, or you not knowing how your body works, that I've I, I thought I that was unacceptable. So for many reasons, wanting to work with animals, wanting to be out and about and, uh, uh, you know, uh, be uh, uh, on farms and uh, enjoying uh, people and, and, and animals in all walks of life uh, was, was very big. But also that idea of wanting to know about medicine and that, that all that kind of kicked in between about eight and 11 years old. Interesting. So um, you kept that focus then, right, up until the time you got into school? Yeah, for sure. When I was doing my A-levels, that's kind of, uh, that's the, 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 the last, uh, that's your, your last exams before you get into vet school. Um, I did flirt with the idea of architecture and photography, but I think that they were just teenage uh, uh just ideas that I played with at that stage. I'm still fascinated with architecture and photography, um, but veterinary medicine, I'm really pleased that I went, well, most, <laughs> most days, I'm really pleased I went into, into veterinary medicine. It's, it's generally a very, very 
rewarding uh, profession to be in. It is. So what was vet school like for you? Vet school was great. I was I was at Edinburgh. I did six years at Edinburgh. And I remember uh, during the interview uh, to get into Edinburgh, they said, uh, is there anything you'd like to ask? As they do, or good, good um, interviewers say that. And I said, I'd like to look at doing a BSc because they offered a, it was a five-year course, but they offered a an intercalated honours about halfway through where you could just study science, biological sciences. And I said, even at that interview stage, that I would like to consider doing an intercalated honours because I wanted to really earn my spurs in science because I thought I'm going to be thinking about alternative or complementary medicine when I come out, and therefore I want to have a good few letters after my name so as to substantiate my position. So therefore, um, after three years of veterinary medicine, I took a year out to an intercalated honours in pathological sciences, and we we studied immunology, virology, uh, molecular biology, parasitology, and, uh, and 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 brought all those together in a fascinating uh, roller coaster year. But also, I did a, a my uh, thesis. I did some laboratory work looking at the circulation of lymphocytes in sheep, which uh, really made my 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 appreciation of immunology as, as as sharp as it could as it could be at that stage so i've i've been in love with immunology ever since and uh it's it's fascinating especially in this these heady days we find ourselves in uh being able to be yeah, have an idea about how the immune system works and how viruses and the immune system works i think that's put me in good in good stead for the last couple of years oh yeah what timing so um what was it like to come back into your veterinary studies after that year off? <laughs> it was, it was, it, I mean, I, you know, you, you, you're a vet. So you know that veterinary medicine is a bit like the army. It's, it's, you're, you're trained to do a job. Um, I don't think the veterinary medicine involves um, a lot of creative scientific thought. Uh, and that that highlighted that to me, and I thank goodness that I had the good opportunity to be able to do creative scientific thought halfway through my veterinary degree. It allowed me to come back refreshed and look at the work that I was doing in my in in my uh, last uh, two years of veterinary medicine, my fourth year and final year. I think I was better. I think I was I was better focused at what I was doing, and I was I was able to think my way through those last two years. Um, but overall, I had six years in Edinburgh, and they were possibly the best years of my life. Um, I've now got kids, and uh, and I'm married, and running my own practice, and so this it's absolutely wonderful. But in my early years, they the they were without a doubt they were formative and 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 living in edinburgh as well really is beautiful and so i was very very lucky and uh, i i look back on those days very fondly that educational experience sounds like one that everybody should have 
um it uh, veterinary medicine is not everybody's cup of tea as you can imagine um but i was lucky enough to be able to uh to be able to stay the course uh i always say jokingly that you've got to have a very high th- boredom tolery- tolerance to get through veterinary medicine because basically they just throw lots and lots and lots of information at you you regurg- you 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 take it down and then you regurgitate it for your exams and hopefully some of it sticks by the time you come out and um i was i was able to do that uh, uh, i had some great great uh colleagues who were with me peers who were with me and some fantastic teachers and uh i was lucky uh that um i enjoyed my time as well so that's good yeah so you were already thinking of holistic medicine while in school yeah i was i was my my mother and father were very interested my mother was into homeopathy and she was in uh, uh she was giving us brewer's yeast and uh um, uh, high vitamin D fish oil when we were kids and ginseng and vitamin C when we were kids. And my father uh, was very interested in holistic medicine. And we moved to New Zealand for a year at one point when I was 15. And he learned acupuncture when he was over there. And um, and so he was always very interested in, in uh, complementary, the complementary side of things. And so I kind of grew up with that as a foundation so i think it was almost inevitable that i kind of rejected that through vet college but then within months of starting in practice i thought i if i had a cold i wouldn't go for antibiotics straight off um and yet i was seeing dogs and cats with runny noses and I was giving them antibiotics straight straight off the bat and so I thought I'd like to treat these animals as I would more prefer in an ideal world to treat them as I would myself and so that was really where things kicked off from was there any exposure to holistic thought in school <laughs> did you get much holistic None. Tra- training in school <laughs> no no not a lick no, 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 there you go. Not no. We had um, hills. You know, we, we we were taught the basics of of nutrition, but then hills polished things off with a a lecture on 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 kibbled food, um, and it was all pr- fairly fairly conventional. I I hadn't really heard uh, very much about complementary therapies, but we sure didn't get anything at college. Um, which meant I was fresh when I when I started in homeopathy. After eighteen months in practice, I started a course at the Royal London Homeopathic Hospital, and uh, the rest, as they say, is history. What sort of practice did you join after graduation? Hmm. I, I, I um, if I say uh, um, uh, there's there's a there's a vet over here in in the UK called Alf White, uh, who's, who writes under the pen name, James Herriot. If I said that to you, would, would, would you or any of your audience, do you think recognize James Herriot in the UK? Certainly, he's very yeah. famous. Oh, you do. Yeah. Okay. Oh, right. sure. I say yeah. this, I say this to anyone under the age of 30 years old over here when I'm lecturing and they look at me blankly. Ah. And so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, Alf White, James Herriot, 
um, I wanted to be I wanted to be James Harriet, and so I joined a practice in Yorkshire, and I saw cattle and sheep and pigs and dogs and cats and. Uh, guinea pigs and horses and and what have you. So I cut my cut my teeth on a very broad range in a in a lovely practice in East Yorkshire uh, near Bridlington in the flatlands of Yorkshire. And I did eighteen months there. I then moved to Ampleforth, which is just on the North York Moors, uh, just near a little place called. Uh, 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 Helmsley. I was uh, living in Ampleforth and I worked from Helmsley and I would just be bombing around the lanes, seeing downer cows and milk fever cows, or I'd be des- uh, uh, delivering um, delivering uh, foals and taking blood from pigs and uh, bloat. And, uh, you know, you learn a lot very, very, very quickly in these scenarios. And again, uh, I, I learned an awful lot. And this is when I was just in the early stages of learning about homeopathy. Homeopathy was the first uh, complementary uh, therapy that I, I came to grips with, which is a, a, a wonderful um, first therapy, therapy because it's so broad and it's so holistic. So homeopathy was the my first delve into uh, complementary therapies. And then you start, did you start to use it with your patients then? I did. I did from, you know, started, started training at 18, 18 months in. And, um, and so that took me to about 96. I started in 92 and then didn't, I went through my training and I, uh, I started training in acupuncture about 96. I qualified, uh, as a veterinary member of the Faculty of Homeopathy of the UK in 98. And I did the IAVH course. Um, uh, uh, lecturers from the States came over and we had some fantastic uh, weekends over, over a whole year. And so qualified um, with homeopathy in 98, completed the IVH in, in the end of that year, and then started my own practice, holisticvet.co.uk, in 1999. Where was that located? Uh, where is that located? Where, where is that located? That is currently yeah. located in Wiltshire. Uh, I'm moving my practice in, um, in a number of weeks back home. Uh, I'm really excited about this. Uh, it's uh, a great opportunity to consolidate my practice from home, but also be allow me to expand the practice into telemedicine, uh, throughout the UK, throughout Europe, throughout the world, and also to be able to do um, webinars and teaching. So I'm kind of, I'm, 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 I'm shrinking the practice physically, but I'm expanding the practice in terms of its reach. So this is a new thing, and I'm really excited that that's a, a new phase that we're going to be looking at. So what was it like starting, starting your holistic practice from scratch? <laughs> I used to go and see horses, Neil, and I would. I so I, I started it 
on a shoestring. I would go and see a horse and I would fill the car up at the garage on a credit card and I prayed that the clients would pay me before my credit card came due. That's how I started my holistic practice. It was just by the skin of my teeth because I didn't want to do conventional medicine. I'd had seven years of conventional medicine and I'd been integrating uh, uh, herbal medicine. I'd been integrating, integrating acupuncture and homeopathy and I was just interested in in raw food medicine at that stage and I just thought I've had enough of vaccinating puppies in the morning and then treating dogs for vaccinosis in the afternoon with my uh, complementary therapy so I thought okay there's there's a lot of fantastic vets out there who are better able to, to do conventional medicine than me because they're clever and and they're, they're, they, they, they have a greater draw to it. I'm going to set myself up in a complementary practice so that when people come and see me, they know they are not going to get drugs as a primary means of seeking cure, seeking true health. So that's what I did. Um, and we started that practice 1999. How did people find you? How did how did uh, new clients come to you? Uh, website. I, I created my own website in 1999, and uh, it was through that, uh, but also through word of mouth. Um, I was, you know, uh, I'd been working for seven years in practice, and so I, I knew various people, um, and. I was a I was a small fish in an even smaller pond. There aren't many holistic practitioners in the UK, and so word got out, and so uh, we managed to get through those first few years and stay afloat. And uh, now we've got a practice, and we're having dozens and dozens of people want to come and see us every day. So. Uh, very lucky now to be able to, uh, you know, to direct people to practitioners closer to them if we're not able to see them and to be able to embrace those cases that we feel we can really make a difference. Besides clients finding you through word of mouth, any, what was the situation, at least when you started with referrals from colleagues, did you get any or? Uh, very few initially. Very, and even now, actually, I do. I guess I get maybe one uh, veterinary colleague referral per week, I guess, but the rest are a, a, a concerned owner, guardian of a dog will will contact me and say, "Is there anything you can do?" And I'll, I'll say. Uh, either yay or nay, or uh, go and see somebody closer to to you uh, because I know that so and so is just down the road from where you live, um, and so yeah, that's that's kind of how it how it works these days. So your your network of like minded colleagues probably mm. now as you ch as you change the focus of your practice, you, you're able to refer people out that maybe you won't be able to have the time to service now, yeah? 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's how we do it. Um, it's uh, it's it's yeah. It's uh, yeah. What do you do when you have twenty four people every day wanting your services? It's very difficult. It's difficult to turn people away. But are you turning them away? No, you're not. You're sending them to 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 fantastic colleagues in a different part of the country who are closer to save on fossil fuels to so that they can they can have face to face consultations. So I think it works well. It's you know what we're doing is we're creating a, a network where I will send them. Uh, uh, clients, and if there's somebody uh, close to them who asks about uh, uh, vets in Gloucestershire, Wiltshire, Oxfordshire, they'll send them to me. So yeah, it works. It works really, really well. And you know, as the more conventional vets you work with, and you have you have good communication and you have um, uh, successful outcomes with the cases, they begin to trust you. I think they think I'm absolutely mad. But, you know, if you're getting results, then whether they agree with your methods or not, if you're getting results where perhaps conventional medicine wasn't able to give you results, then you can't really, you can't argue with that, really. You know, vets, vets are practical, if nothing else. Absolutely. So when did the, I know from reading that the homeopathy kind of set you up for, for your dive into food. Mm. When did that occur? There's a, there's a concept within homeopathy, which says, uh, eliminate obstacles to cure. And it struck me. I read Ian Billinghurst's first book about the bath diet, um, in, yeah, yeah, 1986 or so, when I was doing uh, my training in homeopathy, one of the guys came back over from Australia and said, "Hey, look at this! Look at this interesting concept." And I looked at it and thought, "Ah, yeah, whatever." But very quickly, it struck me: Why do we feed our pet animals such terrible, ultra-processed food when we, as humans, are advised by nutritionists, by doctors who know about nutrition, there aren't many of those, uh, to eat proper, fresh, whole foods. There's a massive disconnect between the the nutrition advice that, that most vets give, and I gave back in the very old days, and what uh, all the contemporary nutritionists um will will give these days and even then even then you know that was back in the dark ages but even then they weren't saying you need to eat more ultra processed food they were saying it's got to be fresh it's got to be whole whole food and what have you um and so that really struck me and i still find it difficult to imagine how medical professionals like my veterinary colleagues can look at that disparity and still support the idea that we need to feed our pets more ultra processed food yeah how is that defensible i can't get my head around it um uh but but but, you know um uh the big uh big food big pet food has been having a pretty much a one-way conversation with with the veterinary profession for the last 50 years or so um since the 50s uh so that's 70 years and um and 
vets, I think vets think vet, vets, and I'm not, I'm not disparaging anybody. I just think that they they're either too busy to think about food, or they just think they are above food. Uh, that they, you know, they can do surgery, and they've got all these amazing medicines and and food. They, I, th- I, th- I think the profession perceives food as being below them. And I think that's so, so sad because an awful lot of disease, maybe, I don't know, 70, 80% of disease can be directly attributed to food. And I know this because when we take dogs with skin problems, behavioral problems, gut problems, when we take those dogs and we take them from the ultra-processed kibbles and tins and we put them onto primarily raw but also fresh food the transformations we see are are out of this world uh in in uh, especially in in those areas but in in so many areas liver disease in immunological disease um autoimmune disease uh, many of these things will respond very well surprise surprise when you take them off rubbish food and you put them onto proper fresh food you must have felt like you were shouting into the wind back then but how, how have things changed what, what's your sense of how the industry has changed and and attitudes have changed over time Ah, oh, neil things things have changed enormously uh back in the old days there were there was there was perhaps eight companies who were producing raw product of some sort. There are now over 200 uh, government-registered raw food manufacturers, and most of those have come along in the last 10, 10 years. So the first 15 years of my journey in raw were very much an uphill battle, <laughs> to a certain extent, that's pretty good because it allowed me plenty of time to take my time to learn learn my trade and to to experiment and think and uh, talk to people. Uh, so it means that when ten years ago, everybody, you know, uh, everybody understood what we were talking about and thought, "Of course, why didn't I think of that earlier?" It means that that we could all hit the ground running, and I was able to, because of that fifteen years of of thinking and talking and 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 and, and working with with animals with 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 uh, real food, I was able to to teach and communicate. And then in two thousand and fourteen, we started the the uh, the raw feeding veterinary society, which was which is fantastic, bringing lots of vets, vet nurses, vet techs together to be able to talk together, to be able to teach each other, to be able to share cases and just solidarity because being a raw raw feeding vet uh, seven, eight years ago was a fairly lonely place to be. Uh, And and now we have the Raw Feeding Veterinary Society and it's going from strength to strength and... um, we are we're much stronger raw food, and as you know raw feeding is most raw food companies that i talk to they're growing 10 no more 20 30% year on year which is which is wonderful tell me i read a little bit but tell me about that first meeting when you were surprised by the attendance 
<laughs> it was a wonderful meeting. Um, so I live in in Wiltshire, the middle of nowhere, and so I thought, right, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna arrange a meeting, I'm gonna make this easy for myself. So my kids, they go to a tiny. They well, they used to. They're bigger now. They go. They used to go to uh, this tiny little hall, and I thought there's only going to be a dozen people who come to this this show. So we get a, the smallest hall I can think of. So we got this tiny little hall where my kids went to like play group. And uh, I, I sent out emails to everybody I know. And in the email, I said, please send this email to everybody you know. And we were expecting, I was expecting maybe a dozen. And on the outside, we were expecting maybe twice that, 24 attendants. On the day, we had 85 vets from Ireland, from uh, from Holland, from all over England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. And it was glorious. It was a really glorious day. We, um, we, we, we got the catering wrong. And so we ran out of food for <laughs> about the last... The last 30 people, it was ironic because it was, it was all about nutrition. Uh, so the last 30 people had uh, pretty slim pickings, including me and Morag and Moddy, who arranged the whole thing. But you know what? It just, it really brought us together. And there was a, such a great feel. Uh, we've, we've gone from strength to strength within the Raw Feeding Veterinary Society since that time. Oh, man, that must have been amazing. It was good. So what technologies do you use now? I mean, you had that website early on. How do you get your message out? What do I do now? Uh, I, I, uh, my wife is a digital designer, so she helps me. Um, uh, she, pro- she actually, I, I hope she listens to this. She promised me a new website two years ago when just before COVID kicked in. And uh, I haven't seen that come to fruition, Neil. So I may well play this to her. So so watch this space. We may have a new website, but it's pretty good. The website I've got at the moment. Um, I'm, I'm doing, I've done two, um, two videos and I like to do short videos so that not too overwhelming and the two two videos they're about an hour and a half each and they are 10 lots of 10 minute each lesson is about 10 minutes uh the first video is on raw feeding the basics and if anybody's interested then they can find those uh, on my website holisticvet.co.uk you're very welcome to 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 have a visit and and have have a look around lots of things to read and lots of videos for free but so raw feeding the basics that's the first one that we did and then the next one was uh bones and how to feed them because that's quite a controversial uh, topic and so we did 10 lessons for everybody uh within that and they seem to go down very, very well. It means that people can, uh, it's, they just pay one off. It's like the first one's 10, about uh, 10 pounds and the next one's 15 quid. And that's it. You've got that for life and you can share that with friends and you can learn from that. And, um, and we've had some really, really fantastic feedback from those. Um, so that's one medium. I, I try to post on Instagram uh try and keep people on their toes keep people thinking um i before covid i was lecturing i would lecture to between 50 and 150 people probably every month i'd be going up and down the country um doing 
doing some of those types of 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 interactions now with Zoom. Um, one of the one of the very exciting things is I get together at seven p.m. Or on a Tuesday evening, that's 7 p.m. UK time. So in the States, that's going to be, I don't know, whatever, midday, 2 p.m. And um, uh, I get together with Connor Brady, Dr. Connor Brady, who's written the wonderful book called uh, Feeding Dogs, which if anybody hasn't read and they're interested in raw food, that's a, a, a must, an absolute must. I get together with uh, him and Dr. Brendan Clark, and we call ourselves the Raw Pet Medics, RPM, the Raw Pet Medics. And we've got a Facebook uh, Facebook page and a Patreon page. And on the Facebook page, we, we, uh, we put out this video every Tuesday at seven o'clock, and we talk about every aspect of nutrition and health uh, for mainly dogs, but we do do some feline work. And that's really exciting. A lot of people say that, that that they really enjoy that. I've just come back from Crafts, actually, and and a number of people stopped me and said, thank you, thank you, thank you. You really make my Tuesdays. Because basically, Neil, we just sit there and we just chew the fat about a, a topic, you know, whether it's about vaccines or it's about autoimmune disease or it's about fat or it's about what is the nature of carbohydrate within the canine diet or, you know, whatever whatever comes to mind, really. Next Tuesday, next Tuesday at 7 p.m. UK time, we're going to be we're going to be taking apart a critique. Uh, uh, one of the vets, a vet in the UK has just written a piece um, which is criticizing raw food feeding. And so we thought we would use that as a scaffold to build an argument to take apart all his various arguments and demonstrate the science to, to defend the principles of raw, mainly raw, but also fresh food feeding. It's this whole idea about why would you want to feed a poor dog or cat on ultra processed food when you've got real food? So we're going to do that. And we're really excited to prep for that and um, deliver that on next Tuesday. Oh, that sounds good. Hey, I want I don't want to take up too much time, but one more question for you. Um, sure. So you went into this thing, this medicine, this idea mm. of medicine, you mm. know, wanting to know everything about how things work, how with, with a practice and with a family, how do you mm. limit what you study? How do you, how do you keep from wanting to <laughs> still investigate everything? That's a great question. I, I look mainly at nutrition. Okay. So, uh, uh, I try and limit things to, to nutrition but nutrition is a really really big ocean so i have i have no m major limit to the any direction i want to swim within that ocean so i'm pretty happy about that and uh and i've discovered audio books and so this allows me to read when i'm cutting the grass when i'm walking the dogs when i'm painting the children's bedroom whatever it might be so it allows me to increase the time that i spend researching and um i've i've read some incredible books if you do you want some references I, let me give you some references because yeah, i've yeah. just read some amazing books so uh robert lustig has has written a wonderful book called metabolical 
which I think uh, people will really, really enjoy. It's it's he's 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 getting on in his career, and he pulls no punches. This is from a human perspective, but he's he's saying you know that um, nutrition is it in in the states especially is pretty poor and and this is why you you shouldn't go there um another book that really stands out for me is Catherine shanahan it's called deep nutrition and Mm. she looks at the four pillars of of ancient wisdom all around the world and takes you through that that's a that really is an eye-opener um uh, one of my favorite authors is Anything About Nutrition or Food in General by Michael Pollan. He's an American mm. writer, wonderful, sure. wonderful writer. Really love him. Um, yeah, I could go on forever. As as all my, all the, uh, our, our supporters f- for Raw Pet Medics, they always complain that we cost them a fortune because we always <laughs> recommend so many books it's like oh god it's a it's another book alert guys sorry we just read this amazing book and it's a real game changer because x y and z so uh if 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 any any uh, vets vet nurses out there they they want some reading just email me and uh i've got i can give you a book list as long as you are there's some amazing books out there oh great Nick, uh, thanks so much for taking the time. It was really fun talking to you, and and I'm hoping that I can put the squeeze on you to get some some webinars out of you for CIVT. Hey, Neil, it would be an absolute pleasure. I love what you guys uh, are doing, and thank you for being so gracious as the of the uh, the host. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. CIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.